Hey everyone, welcome to Share Your Sparkle, and I'm your host, Dr. Darlene Berrios. This is episode 25. You are a prayer. Hey people, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate uh, that you're listening, and I hope that you're getting something out of these messages. Uh, first, I want to start off with a few announcements slash, I guess, a commentary. And then I have a reading, another um, short passage to share, uh, and I'll end with a message that I actually recorded in November of last year at the beach, um, but I'll end with that. So um, I really have no idea like when to end season one. <laughs> So it's still like season one, episode 25, but this is what I decided. Um, I'm going to take a little break from recording. I'm not done, but I'm just letting you know that I'll be recording up until March 12th. So Friday, March 12th, and hopefully fairly consistently on Tuesdays and Fridays. I Right now, I know I will take at least a week, possibly two um, before I jump back on and start sharing some more messages. One, it's just to kind of refresh and um, see what other messages come to mind and uh, give myself a break. And so I'm just giving you a heads up. Friday, March 12th will be the end of season one. And I'll either pick up on Tuesday, March 23rd or Tuesday, March 30th. But just wanted to let you know. And hopefully you'll stick around for season two. The other thing is um, I received an email. So if you're interested in Deborah L. Johnson, Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, uh, through the text that I've been reading, The Sacred Yes, she's actually holding some workshops via Zoom. They are uh, six sessions starting March 4th through April 8th from 7 to 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. It's $125 and it's called Yes at the Beginning. I can send you the email. Um, I can send her site, but you can register at deborahljohnson.org. And if you're interested more about what that is, um, it says here, um, Yes at the Beginning explores how to make yes such a foundation of our lives that we begin everything with it. Like gratitude, yes becomes a lens through which we view the world, shaping both what we see and our interpretation of it. Our life experience is so much richer when we put yes, like gratitude, on the front end rather than waiting for some reason to express it on the back end. So that's kind of like a little snippet and it talks a little bit more about the workshop. So this is, I'm just reading from the email. So if you like the sacred yes, Reverend Deborah L. Johnson is hosting these workshops. Thursdays, six sessions starting March 4th through April 8th, DeborahLJohnson.org. And if you, um, I'll try to put her email in my like chapter section so you can click on it. I mean, I mean uh, not her email, but her website so that you can go to it. So that's the other thing. So one, um, season one is ending soon, but we'll pick up either mid or late March to the workshops by Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, yes, at the beginning. And the third thing I want to talk about is Texas. 
So if you could send some love and some positive energy their way, I do have some family in Texas. Uh, they're doing well, but I know that there are many families and other individuals who haven't weathered this past week uh, fairly well for various reasons. And um, I mean, I've vented my frustration slash, slash concerns about the whole electrical issue, electricity supply issue in Texas, which blows my mind, by the way, it just kind of blows my mind that Texas, which is like bigger than the United States, I know it's not, but you know what I'm saying, has like their AC running for six months. And then for a week, they can't handle some cold temperatures. That um, that doesn't make sense to me, people. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. When people, when individuals want things done, they get things done for certain people. And um, I'd be interesting to see what places actually lost power by neighborhood and neighborhoods and what sections didn't lose power. Um, and even those sections that like probably were on the higher end of things, if they did ha lose power, probably had generators kick in. But I know that my family um, took in some, at least one individual to help out during this time. Um, so I'm very, I'm glad that they're okay and they're able to offer help. And as far as leadership, if you are leading some organization, group, people, school, whatever it is, don't leave your people when they're in need. Seriously. Seriously. Don't leave your people when they're in need. Send your family away on vacation if that's what you want to do. But you stay. That's your job as a leader. Not to leave, but to stay when the shit hits the fan. You don't leave. And so that's my frustration about that. Um, and commentary. The other thing is, I do want to add, and this is not to diminish, because I know that there are people that have lost their lives uh, over the past week, or have suffered really traumatic losses with either their home or like their health. Um, but, and I'm sorry, and just remember, Puerto Rico, which is part of the United States, when I went nine months after Hurricane Maria, so nine months later, there were still people without electricity and without roofs on their homes and without like infrastructure to keep them safe. That was nine months after the storm. That's another craziness in terms of leadership there, but I hope that things get restored in Texas quickly. I hope that everyone who has suffered this past week is bouncing back somehow or getting the help they need to restore. All right, episode 25, You Are a Prayer. All right, I had to get that stuff off my chest. <laughs> Here's the reading I'm going to start off with. And I want to um, preface this that I think that it's about fear. And it's um, from The Invitation by Oria. The Invitation is a poem that she wrote um, where uh, in this book she 
takes it apart line by line or stanza by stanza and talks about a little bit more. And this section that I'm going to read is about fear. And I think that fear sometimes can push us or stop us from doing certain things. So I thought it was, I read through my journal the other day and this was written in the section that I was reading. So I took it upon myself to share it with you. So I'm going to read a section of the invitation and it's related to fear. And just to give you a little bit of background at this point, she is um, talking about the section where it says, it doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. And um, she is in the process or has in, and talks about leaving her husband at the time. And, um, you know, this is also the same individual whose friend had like a brain aneurysm um, in front of her. So this I'm going to pick up in the middle of the chapter, but she says, I don't want to know how old you are. Your age tells me how long you have lasted, but not what you have made of the precious time you have been given. Lasting, enduring is not enough. Tell me of the times you have taken a risk and how you greet your fear. Do you bully or shame, cajole or argue reasonably, or simply seek numbness in overwork or alcohol or the chaos of emotional drama? Fear is part of being alive. Sometimes when we are in, da- in a dangerous situation, fear can be a life-preserving, can be life-preserving. It is a natural response to the anticipation of pain and comes from the realization that if we live and love fully, we will feel the losses that are inevitably part of the constant cycle of life, of change, I'm sorry. There is a New Age workshop ad that offers a money-back promise to eliminate all fear in your life forever. I asked someone who had attended the workshop if you really could get a refund if you told the facilitators that you had experienced fear after the seminar. She told me that the participants had been warned that they might experience the quote-unquote illusion of fear after they took the course, but that it, w- that it could not be real fear. I do not think denial of fear will give us freedom from it. Sitting in the marriage counselor's office with my husband, I clasp my hands together and squeeze hard. I have told him I am leaving. He sits, shoulders rounded as if by a great weight, silently begging me to stay. The counselor asks if I would be willing to postpone my decision to leave for three months. In the silence that follows, by the way, I'm really mad that the counselor did that. That's my own, that's, isn't that weird? Anyway, so, uh, in the silence that follows, each moment stretches to infinity. Every sense is sharpened. I can smell the leather of the sofa and my own sweat. Hear the three of us breathing and the clock ticking softly on the table. I see my mouth open, lips dry, and hear the single syllable leave my mouth and echo around the room, bouncing off an emptiness inside my chest. This is what fear is like. No. Something inside me explodes in a great silence that eats all sound as the word settles over us like ash after the fire of devastation. What surprises me most in the moments that follow is that the world continues. We are still there in the room, the walls standing, 
the sound of the traffic beginning to drift back through the terrible silence, the next breath being taken in, the undeniable pull of life continuing. I have less than a thousand dollars. I need a job, an apartment, and good affordable daycare, and I need it all fast. The unknown yawns before me. I know only that I am leaving, that I will leave my sons, that I will not leave my sons, nor will I take them away from their father. I do not know if the aloneness will be bearable, if I will fall flat on my face. But the longing is larger than the fear, the desire more fierce than the pain. My second husband is a good man. We do not have a bad life. It was simply not my life. I had to leave the life I had built and go forward to meet the life for which I longed. Each time I follow my deepest desires, fear is there, wringing her hands, continuing, I mean cautioning me with her litanies of what-ifs. I do not try to counter with reasonable arguments, but about acceptable risks. I no longer try to shame myself into action with admonishments to stop being the wimp. Nor do I pretend to be unafraid. I simply move in the direction I have chosen to go, taking care to do the things I know will help me keep the fear at a level that allows me to continue to feel it and yet still keep moving. I put myself to bed early, eat well, sit with friends, take long walks by the lake. I have learned that doing things the hardest way provides no currency to be traded for greater future rewards. Several years ago, I ran a woman's retreat where each woman was given an opportunity and ceremony to surrender seven things she held as precious in her life, seven ways of seeing herself or being seen by others. The intent of the ceremony was not to devalue those things we tre treasure. Many of the things surrendered have value. Being a good mother, a loving friend, a, di a diligent worker, a talented artist, but often we have inherited someone else's view of who we are or should be. And sometimes, although we may ourselves hold these values, their dominance in our lives in a particular form does not allow us to live out other aspects of what we love and who we are. The deepest desires of the soul are really concerned, are rarely concerned with the practical details of mortgage payments, pension plans, prior commitments, past honors, or others' opinions. Minutes before this ceremony, one woman asked me if I could reassure her that she would not leave her marriage if she chose to surrender her attachment to material wealth and to being seen as the good and patient wife. No, I told her. There is no such guarantee. If there were, there would be no point to doing the ceremony. I cannot tell you in advance what your choice will be, whether you will look at your husband and your marriage and know that it is a place you truly want to be. Your attachment to money and being the good wife may be all that's keeping you there. The other women in the room sat uneasily in the silence. Then why do this at all? Another woman asked. Why would we risk the unknown changes that this knowledge could bring into our lives? I paused and considered it for myself. For freedom, I said. I risk it for the freedom to see what is true what I really want in the deepest part of myself. I can make whatever choices I want in my life, and I will live with the consequences of those choices. But if I want to live a life close to my deepest desires, I have to risk knowing who I 
really am and have always been. Knowing this, then I can choose. You could taste the fear in the room. And then it goes on a little bit more. Um, We are afraid that we will not be enough. All of our deepest desires are our soul's way of calling us back to simply being all of who we are. And then I'm going to skip forward again. We are not offered guarantees. What we are offered is knowledge of life and ourselves. And if we are awake, glimpses of the wisdom held in the story, our life is telling the world. So that's from the chapter on fear by Aurea in her book, The Invitation. If you haven't already picked it up on Amazon, I highly recommend it. So whoever that message is for today, there it is. And then I have a little snippet of something I wrote. But here I want you to fill in the blank. So I'm not sure where you are in terms of how life is. But um, if you wouldn't mind entertaining me. (laughs) I don't really know if you're going to do this or not. But just fill in the blank with your name first. And then just listen to what I have to say. So the first part is just your name. So whoever you are, you are rebuilding. It's taken billions of years for the universe to get to this point. Allow yourself the time and space for you to rebuild, to restore, to reestablish, to return. Pace yourself and be patient with yourself. With me, that's the only way to truly let the healing sink into your bones, breath, and being. Let me work through you. You'll be more than okay. You'll be more than fine. We'll be in sync, and that's the greatest freedom and allowance and accomplishment that is your call. Just be, and everything else will fall into place. So fill in the blank with your name. You are rebuilding. It's taken billions of years for the universe to get to this point. Allow yourself the time and space for you to rebuild, to restore, to reestablish, to return. Pace yourself and be patient with yourself. With me, that's the only way to truly let the healing sink into your bones, breath, and being. Let me work through you. You'll be more than okay. You'll be more than fine. We'll be in sync and that's the greatest freedom and allowance and accomplishment that is your call. Just be you, and everything else will fall into place. The last part is my recording from November. You are a prayer. If you listen to my trailer of season one, I said I would uh, title an episode called You Are a Prayer. So here are my thoughts from the beach. It's about two minutes. And then it's a wrap. I Am a Prayer by Dr. Darlene Berrios. On October 16th, 2010, I went to the beach and the ocean spoke to me. It said, I am a prayer. Have you ever thought about that before? We pray so often. We pray for things. We pray for wants and wishes and desires and tents. But you have, have you ever thought about you being a prayer? 
that you answer people's wishes, intense desires, that you are walking in this world as a living prayer. It kind of blew my mind when that um, message came to me. I am a prayer. And I haven't thought about it in a really long time. So that was 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. Right now I'm sitting at the beach. It's the day after Thanksgiving, November 27th, 2020. It's been a very interesting year. And I think now more than ever, I'm thinking about what kind of prayer I want to be in this world. And maybe that's something I invite you to think about. Do you want to be a whisper prayer, a wild prayer, a sublime prayer, a strong prayer, a joyful prayer? And I think we can be all those things depending on what we choose. So from the beach again, even though it was a decade later, I invite you to think about what kind of prayer you want to be in this world. Because if the ocean told me I'm a prayer, that means we're all prayers. Take care, everyone. Okay, people, accept your sparkle. Surrender to it and allow it to be so. Until then, keep shining!